1: I am outstanding. It's the first day of Mercer Hate Week, so uh I'm ready to go. I'm ready for game two.
0: Yeah, you know what, Mercer? Hey, you want some of this? You want a piece of us? Okay, Dan. <laughs> Keep talking shit, Mercer. No, um
1: <laughs> <laughs> They're talking shit. Boy, that well, would be a bad that'd be a bad strategy to kick off Mercer Hate Week. I did <laughs> see to conjure a- up a literal Mercer Hate Week. I did
0: see a picture from like a newspaper called The Telegraph or something where it had a picture of, like, Mercer players at practice, like Alabama Weeks upon us. And it looked like they were kind of looking like, yeah, we know Mercer – I mean, Alabama Weeks upon us. Um, You don't have to remind us. We we don't want to think about this so much. We'd just like to go to Tuscaloosa and take our beating and then go home. So, please – They look like in. extras. They look like
1: <laughs> extras in some crappy football movie.
0: They really did. Thursday night lights. You know, uh, any given Tuesday. Um, All right, Jimmy, I don't know what to say about what I saw yesterday. Um, The first thought I had was this. Actually, after the game, the first two thoughts I had were this. Number one, why can't we ever get through the first two games of the year without losing a key starter? Prayers up for Chris Allen. And the second thought I had was, you know what? Alabama's not ruining college football. We're not. The people that are ruining college football are the Miami Hurricanes because they can't live up to any expectation at all. The Vanderbilt Commodores, who don't belong in a Power Five conference anymore. They just don't. They're not good enough. Uh, The Washington Huskies, who can't beat uh, a 23-point underdog at home first game of the year. Uh, Duke, Blue Devils who are lost to Charlotte that's a that's a woman's name you lost to a single woman um then let's see who else lost um Illinois who can beat nebraska which it, which we all thought you know what maybe illinois is on the uptick. and then they turn right around and lose to something out of texas um it's just on and on into the night about these teams that aren't good that aren't putting enough resources in to keep their programs viably. Uh, uh, mm, uh, viably viable. Viably viable. Yeah, I really screwed that one up. Just viable <laughs> for a title. Yeah. Um, and it's not Alabama's fault that that we give a shit. And you and I have said this before, but I don't think we've ever said it in the combination of, this is not us ruining college football. It's just not. You People can be better. We had to go to Missouri and to California and to Utah and to um, Florida and to Georgia and Hawaii to get and Texas to get our players. Anybody else can go get these players, go get them. But you, you, you got to put the effort in that Saban's putting in, and y'all aren't doing that. And it's BS to say, um, "Hey, y'all are ruining college football because y'all are so awesome and and we can't be awesome." And this is a lot like I'm at Orange Beach this weekend. And my four-year-old daughter and I are, you know, we're playing in the ocean, playing in the pool a lot. And one thing she likes to do is when we're in the pool, um, she'll say, okay, you're the monster and you're trying to get me. And so I'll give her like a little head start and I, and then I end up catching up to her every time. She's like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, I can freeze you and I can unfreeze you, but you can't freeze or unfreeze me. So she goes, Moving the goalposts. Yeah. She freezes moving the
1: goalposts. She'll
0: say freeze and I'll freeze. And then I'm like, well, when can I move? She goes, well, when I'm ready. And then like, she'll get out of the pool and run, and then go, ha ha, you can't get me. And I'm like, yeah, this is exactly what college football wants to do to Alabama. Y'all quit being the monster. We'll freeze you. And then we'll go, ha Now y'all suck because y'all can't, aren't any good anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I guess that's what'll happen, but it's just, and, and look, I know everybody's wanting to talk more Miami stuff. So that's what we'll do. Um, I think the conversation begins with Bryce Young, though, Jimmy. We were worried, rightfully so, uh, worried about his height. He's not six feet. Everybody needs to quit saying that he's not. Um, And we were worried about his inexperience. We were worried maybe uh, about chemistry. Is he a leader? Every one of those questions was answered for me. I mean, the dude is officially not just by the Luke metric, but by Las Vegas is the Heisman front runner now.
1: That's incredible. It is. It's, it's, it's silly, but at the same time, I mean, who who else would you put out in front right now? I mean, I, I think Spencer Rattler probably came into the year as the favorite and he didn't, I mean, it was really more Oklahoma's team than Spencer himself, but, uh, but he, he didn't have a great game and Oklahoma isn't getting any, uh, any roses today. Uh, so yeah, I, I think it's fair. Uh, it's fair and partly silly that after one start, you're like, here's the here's the new Heisman favorite. But see, the thing is, and this, this is what I believe, although nothing that Bryce did yesterday surprised me. I mean, on on the one hand, look, I, I think the expectations were were pretty high because it's Alabama and Nick Saban and Bryce is a five star and and uh, but. I wasn't surprised yet at the same time, I'm more surprised in a macro sense of how many times in a row can Nick Saban and Alabama be good again. And, 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 and I'm not surprised we're good. I knew we'd be good. I've seen his practice. I all the spring. I'm, I've seen all the high school tape, all these dudes. It's like, I knew we would be good. But at the same time, I'm like, gosh, dang, how, how can they continue to surprise me? Because a lot of teams are good. Oklahoma's good. I know everybody likes to watch one game and make all these 12 game assumptions, but Oklahoma's good. That, that was just, you know, they, they, they almost lost to army and then made the playoffs. So, I mean, that, that was just a, a one-off I'm sure. But at the same time, I'm really surprised that, uh, that I'm surprised. That, that's the best way I'm surprised that I'm surprised uh, but because, it's a machine that just keeps on going, and you, you you plug in the future New England Patriots quarterback, and then he's gone, and then you plug in this five-star kid, and now Alabama is just on an absolute roll at quarterback, but frankly, they're on on a roll at all 22 positions because it was the 22 position domination. The defense was very, very good. Special teams. Let's not overlook special teams. Reichard made three more field goals, including the one from over 50, uh, didn't drop kicks, didn't drop punts. Uh, the new punter wasn't that great, but we only had to use him twice. He only, Alabama only punted twice in the game because every other time they scored when they had the ball, uh, other than I think there was maybe one turnover that was lost, but boy, just an A, A performance, just an A performance. And, uh, they say the biggest jump you make in terms of, of the team is from week one to week two. That's kind of hard to imagine. It'd certainly be bad news for Mercer. I think the smart thing for <laughs> Alabama to do this week is, uh, is, is sort of focus. You don't ignore Mercer. You get ready for Mercer because they could have some strange offense or defense, and you've got to be prepared for their gimmicks or whatever. But really, it's a week for Alabama to get prepared for Florida, uh, not so much schematically but personnel-wise. Okay, who – Who did well? What backup came in and did really well? Was there a starter that didn't grade well? And let's sort of get our 22 set for the Florida Gators in two weeks because that is going to be a challenge. They didn't play that great against Florida Atlantic, and Emory Jones struggled a bit. But playing Florida in Florida is, of course, going to be a challenge.
0: Jimmy, let me tell everybody about Stat Hero. Do you know 85% of people who play daily fantasy sports lose? Is it really that surprising? It's really not. The game is rigged against you. You're playing against thousands of other lineups, dudes who, you know, study this shit night and day, and you don't. You're just out there like, hey, I think this is pretty fun. Let me tr- give it a whirl. Let me put a little money on it. But these guys are experts, a lot of them, and, they, and they're just reeling you in. And you have more They have more tools and time than you do. But you know what? Stat Hero is the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the player in control of winning within reach. Here's how it works. Stat Hero shows you their lineups and dares you to beat them. They say, here's our lineup. Get what you want. We got ours. It's you against the house in a head-to-head fantasy matchup. You name your stakes, winner take all. You have the advantage. Stat Hero is showing you the lineups ahead of time. No one else does that. I'm telling you, I've played fantasy sports. This is the way to go. Don't you know? get surprised like, okay, I drafted the Rams third wide receiver and the Colts Uh, number one receiver and the best tight end from Jacksonville, and also have Trevor Lawrence at at quarterback. Let me see what they got. Oh, they've got the entirety of the greatest show on turf from the Los Angeles Rams in the early 2000s. Didn't that something? And they just whip your ass. That's how it goes. But go to stathero.com slash locked on. Sign up for free right now. You can get three times back on your first play. They're giving you a 300% match. That's unheard of. Go to stathero.com slash locked on stathero.com slash locked on. <clears throat> Give them a whirl, you'll love it. I want to tell you about Built Bar. Built.com. I always want to say Built Bar.com. That's not it. It's built.com. B-U-I-L-T dot com. Built.com, telling you these things are delicious. They're nutritious. I brought some down to Orange Beach with me. Been snacking on them, eat them for lunch, and then go have a good dinner. It works out great. I mean they just they get me through uh playing in the pool and and playing in the ocean with my four year old. And if you have a four year old you know that is no small task. You've got to have something that will give you some energy, and those things will hook you up. Built.com is where you want to go. These things are delicious. They're nutritious. They're good for a keto or a keto diet, and you can eat them any time of the day. They will not put on a lot of poundage. In fact, they help you lose weight is what these things will do. Built.com, you will love them. Um, trust me on this. Covered in chocolate. Go check them out. Go buy you some. A lot of my friends have. A lot of listeners have. We appreciate you guys so much. Virtual hugs coming your way. Built.com. Also, betonline.com. I'm going to, that's right. I'm doing three live reads. What are you going to do about it? You're going to listen. That's what you're going to do about it. Betonline.ag is where you want to go to get that bet in. Get your fantasy bet in at Stat Hero. Get your built bar. Get a little energy. Get your mind right. Now go place the regular bet at betonline.ag. Promo code locked On is going to get you a bonus. Go check them out. Betonline.ag. You can bet on pro football. College football, Heisman odds. You can bet on reality TV, Major League Baseball. Yes, I said reality TV. If you know which housewife is the crankiest, well, you can go (laughs) bet on
1: it. They're all all tied
0: for first or last. (laughs) That is true. Go check them out at betonline.ag. This website is totally legit, easy to navigate, um, easy to pay in, even easier to get paid. That's the crucial part because getting the money – is what you really want to know that you will do. And I promise you, they will pay you out expeditiously. I said expeditiously. So go to betonline.ag promo code locked on. Betonline.ag promo code locked on. Jimmy, I did three live reads in a row so that we could sort of have an elongated segment here and then be done. Um, that's not the normal way we do it, but I'm afraid one of us will get on a roll and I didn't want to interrupt. So all right, let let me run through a few other things in the game. Uh, Bryce Young, we talked about. Uh, my wife thought, hey, Luke, you said his eyebrows. My wife kept saying, you said his eyebrows are so big. I didn't, say I didn't say they're big. I said they're the best. I didn't say they were big eyebrows. I didn't say they were bushy. I said they were, they were, they were the best and pretty. That's what I said, and they are. And listening to him talk after the game, he's the new Saban bot. He, you know, um, Jonathan Allen was like the Terminator sab- Saban bot, the original. Well, Bryce Young is like the the one that um, Robert, what's his name, that could like melt and like, you know, turn into anything. That's Bryce Young. He's the new – he's saving by 3,000, and I love it. Um, Great interview, uh, poised as hell, showed a – I mean, what an arm to hit Jameson Williams like that. By the way – you and I both predicted we're going we're going to tr- shoot for Jamison Williams deep early, and we did. On what the second play of the game was it cl- was it the second play of the game?
1: Yeah, it, it was it was uh, on the first drive. I mean, it didn't work out because I think he fell or stumbled. Yeah. Well, it was but, a bad uh, pass. It wasn't a great pass either. It's one of our best plays, and it's yeah. going to continue to be one of our best plays. And by best plays, I just mean Jamo on the go route. Just go <laughs> and just run, and very few people can can run with him and uh yeah I've been super high on, on Jamison the whole offseason. Everybody sees it now. Uh Alabama sorely needed, uh an experienced wide receiver with great vertical speed. And uh man, that's him. Yeah, dude can run. When he caught that ball, I'm like the freeze that the the Braves games ain't gonna catch Jamison Williams. I mean that <laughs> that dude can freaking fly.
0: You know I uh we were watching it here at uh my in-law, in-laws' in condo, and my wife said, uh, you know, I, I don't guess he'll score. And I said, no, they, they cannot catch it. I mean, and you could tell, like, she was doing the math in her head, like, wait a minute, those two guys have the angle, and at this speed, if a train leaves Philadelphia going 400 miles an hour, and I'm like, honey, they ain't catching Jameson Williams. They just – shit ain't happening. If Jameson stopped and, and wanted to do something else, like his own taxes, they wouldn't catch him. They can't catch you. Um, I also loved Mechie's high step. By the way, I love he. he yeah, where did that come he, from? Yeah, incorporated he did it, the little at Jerry twice. Judy. Yeah,
1: he did it at least twice. I'm not sure where it came from. I don't remember Mechie doing that at all last year. I don't. He ch-
0: He uh, channeled his inner Jerry Judy. There's no doubt about that. Um, Slade Bolden as punt returner. I I appreciate it in this game. Uh, I, by the way, we use Slade Bolden in a lot, but. Uh, I think I'm now I'm I'm all in on JoJo. Let's let's give JoJo a chance because there was one. I wonder
1: if that's a Mercer thing. I wonder. Somebody made a great point on Twitter or on the Fam uh, on Three board or someplace that that you know when you play Miami in the first game, maybe a lot of your plans are, are sort of put on hold because like wait a minute, we if we got a veteran, we're going to use them in that first game. We we need someone that's been on the big stage in game one. But maybe if the roles were reversed and you played Mercer first and Miami second, maybe the personnel would have been a little different yesterday. And, and I think that punt return is a great, a great example of that, uh, that maybe maybe we do see JoJo against Mercer, and we would have seen him yesterday against Mercer. But, hey, it's Miami, can't afford a big mistake, can't afford to gift Miami field position. Let's put the kid out there that's going to catch the ball.
0: No, I, I agree, and, I, and maybe that is the case, but there was at least one punt return. Where Slade caught it, he had an opening and he got sort of shoestring tackled. Uh right at he was breaking free. And my first thought was Jojo breaks that. And I don't know JoJo that well. But Jojo breaks that. You know?
1: Jojo catch one ball or two balls? He caught two balls, didn't he? I, I think JoJo caught, caught two, two yeah. balls. And um, he played with the first team in the first quarter, as we as we suspected, knew he was he's a first team player. Uh he's one of the few guys that even though he did catch a couple balls, the standout I mean, if JoJo stood out, it was just simply because he was a, the only true freshman on the team uh, playing with the first team. That's I right. mean, in, in terms of like, I think he was the only true freshman that played in the first quarter, uh, barring barring kick return or special teams or something like that, uh, in terms of offensive defense. I think he was the only one, but, uh, but he didn't make a, a big play uh, good chance that comes this Saturday against Mercer.
0: Jimmy, you brought up Uh, Will Reichert, and man, on that 50-yarder, it was sort of like the Jameson-Williams things, but the opposite, I was like, damn it, he missed it. And that thing had such a nice fade on it, or was it draw? I don't know. Either way, I don't care. Um, But it just sort of hooked in. I mean, it was gorgeous. And I mean, it would have been good from five yards deeper. And they also put up a stat which blew me away. We hadn't missed a kick since September of 2019.
1: (laughs) That's nuts. I mean, that's crazy nuts. Uh, But Reichard, hey, he's good. He is good. And uh, we're overdue for a good kicker. We were over, and maybe we're about to have three or four in a row. We were overdue for a first round quarterback. And now we're basically on our fourth in a row, if you count Jalen's (laughs) first rounder, which wasn't much of a stretch. It's a stretch by one round.
0: And I think you could say Bryce is, he's at least got the trajectory of one.
1: Yeah. I mean, now what's going to be interesting and it's, it's, it's really to, to say it's premature. Heck, I thought it was premature to talk Heisman, but super premature to talk Bryce in the NFL draft one day, but let's, let's, we know what the issue is going to be. It's not going to be his athleticism. It's not going to be his brains. It's not even going to be his arm strength or his arm talent. It's going to be nothing. It's going to be one thing. He's small. He's small. Now, there are quarterbacks in the NFL uh, that are small-ish that are having a lot of success from your Baker Mayfields to your Russell Wilsons to your Kyler Murrays. And, uh, but I think Bryce may be smaller than all those guys. I, I think he's about the same size as Kyler, you know, which is really the main reason. I'm, I'm not the main reason, but that's always been my comp to Bryce, and, and that's simply because that's his size. Russell Wilson's pretty short, but Russell's stout. You know, yeah. Russell's kind of a stout kid. Bryce is almost wiry and short. So uh you know, it's a size. Let's see. Some some teams in the NFL will watch him and go, awesome player, but I'm not taking him number one, not at that size. Some teams will be like that.
0: You said something about uh earlier about Saban and you know how some of our guys have panned out. That I think that's the key. People keep talking about Saban and you know, he's only a coach because he's a great recruiter, not a great coach. I'll tell you something, man. He is – he is whatever formula he's figured out to evaluate quarterbacks, how, how incredible is it that he had missed on one in a while? I mean, now yeah. you could say, did he miss on Blake Barnett? Yeah, he missed on Blake Barnett. He did. Now, Blake Barnett was arguably the number one uh, quarterback in the country at his time, and he missed on him. But then I think Blake Barnett also led into Jalen Hurts, and Saban mm-hmm. should get credit for taking Jalen Hurts. And I think also Jalen Hurts led to Nick Saban. Maybe it, it was like his epiphany of he knows there, there's some ingredient in a quarterback he's looking for now. I don't know what that ingredient is. It may be totally intangible, sort of like that the, the book Blink by Malcolm Gladwell where the, the – museum curator comes in and the museum says, look at what we just bought. She goes, I hope you didn't pay a lot for it. They're like, what are you talking about? We paid 4 million for this shit. She goes, I can't tell you why it's a fake. I can't tell you what it is. I just know it's a fake. And the damn thing was a fake because she's like, I can't, I can't explain it. I can only tell you that's not the real deal. But, and, and I think now Saban has figured out how to differentiate who's real and who's not in the quarterback world. And it's it now that he knows that secret, I mean, what are people going to do? I mean... Yeah, it starts it's, with
1: athleticism. There's no there's no coincidence that uh, Bryce is a great athlete, and I think the heir apparent to Bryce is not Tyson. I think it's Milrow, and he's a great athlete. And then, then the committed quarterback, Ty Simpson, he's a great athlete. So I think to some extent it starts with more of a commitment to dual-threat guys, guys that can make something happen with their feet in addition to their arm. But this sets off a... Soapbox thing for me because you know I get r- upset at the the revisionists, the historical revisionists, and and this this is why. There's this because Alabama's had great luck with four quarterbacks in a row: Jalen, Tua, Mack, now Bryce. Four in a row are just unbelievable and outstanding. There's this narrative out there that Saban just started caring about offense, that he just started caring about the quarterback position, and that all of a sudden Alabama knows. To win games, you've got to be good on offense, so I better go get me a good quarterback. That is true, but all in the early part of Saban, in the early part of Shula and Fran and Dubos and Perkins, and Alabama has been signing highly rated quarterbacks as long as I've been an Alabama fan. Just for whatever reason, uh, and who knows why, I'm sure some of it is the evaluation, but uh, these guys were just rarely panning out. But I think people forget how high some of these quarterbacks were ranked that just weren't good, including Blake Barnett, who was ranked every bit as high as TuA coming out of high school. Yeah. Cooper oh, Bateman actually- was the number Cooper Bateman was the number four quarterback in the United States. David Cornwell was the number six quarterback in the United States. That's no different than the Ty Simpsons. As a matter of fact, that's higher than Jalen Hurts and Jalen Milroe. So Alabama's been signing highly ranked quarterbacks forever. We've just kind of reached a streak where we're making up for a couple of decades of misses. And I think to some extent it's, well, we're overdue. I mean, Alabama went from 1976 to 2019 without a first-round quarterback. So at some point you're going to make up for that in spades and that, that's what's going on. But the, but the narrative that's out there that Alabama adjusted to what they did and now sign highly re- regarded quarterbacks, that's stupid. <laughs> Alabama has been signing highly regarded quarterbacks going all the way back to, to, to when I started being an Alabama fan in the mid-'80s. As a matter of fact, Ray Perkins in 1986 signed, Bill, Ray, Ray Perkins signed two of the top five in the country in 1986. They just didn't pan out. They just ended up, they weren't that good. I I think
0: we're going to miss a golden opportunity if we don't talk about Miami's continued cockiness into the game, late in the game, when they, um, you know, the turnover chain thing, which, look, the turnover chain's their thing, okay? And I thought it was a fumble, too. And even Saban thought it was a fumble because he was chewing Roydale Williams' ass out. But then replay showed, okay, that's, that's not how you'd get a fumble, and that's not a fumble, so well, it was a fumble, I guess, and they he got it back um so that's fine, and that was funny. I thought it was even worse the Miami players who scored the touchdown down uh a whole bunch uh goes up to the crowd and does all these things, and like on his sideline, and I'm like, see this is my this is why Miami won't be back because he should." somebody on that team's got to give a shit about the winning and not the showmanship. And, you know, it, Miami now is a lot like a, uh, it's a lot like who, who's somebody famously rich. That's old, Jimmy, give me one. A Vanderbilt. Uh, okay. 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 He's Just like, a, he's like a fourth generation Vanderbilt who still got money in the trust fund, but's never done shit. And then and and every time he goes out, he's like, yeah, you sons of bitches, you know I'm bad. B-A-A-D-D, bad. No, that's not how you spell bad. Well, I didn't go to school because I'm so rich. Well, I mean, and that's like, that's Miami. Somebody's got to work eventually. Like, they still get all the spoils of being Power Five. They still get all the accolades from the 80s and 90s or even early 2000s. They hadn't peed a drop in God knows how long. They haven't done shit. And so somebody's got to give a damn. And I want Miami to be good because I love it when college football has personality like that. But your personality is just – you're just an asshole when you're cocky without cause. When you're cocky and you're good, you swagger. When you're cocky and you're terrible, you're an
1: asshole. You're There's an no asshole. way to put it. <laughs> That was well put. I'll also say, uh, not not necessarily related but similar – I suppose I'm going to chalk this up to, you know, I'm I'm officially an old guy now. I'm officially old. Therefore, I tend to get upset more uh, at officials and at announcers. And I used to never really get upset with either as younger. I'd just pull it off, hey, it's a game. It's part of the game. There's missed calls and baseball, basketball, football It's just part of it. You just got to hope your team is so good you can overcome it. And sometimes you're going to benefit from it, and, and, that, and that's the way I looked at. it. And that's literally what happened yesterday. They've also benefited from a couple of things, but uh,
0: what were on those? the main?
1: Ba- um, uh, uh, on the hold, there was a hold that wasn't called on the deep play. Yeah, okay, the, uh, the Bryce to Jameson. I mean, uh, it, but not like not like it wasn't great but no, but there there was a, a hold that could have been called there uh, but, but really I'm still mad about the Daniel Wright pass interference call. I mean, I'm still mad about, we won the game by 31 points. I'm I'm still upset because it did, it was responsible for giving Miami, uh, a scoring opportunity. And, uh, it, it, that was an egregious call. And I really rode Daniel Wright's ass hard last year. He made a lot of errors and I was you know, kind of waving a flag to let's let's use somebody else, and we finally did, and and benched him and played Helms. But I, so, in particular, I want to be mad about it because that kid deserves a break, especially for me. So, you know, Daniel, you did a great job on that play, and that was just highway robbery. And I hope, I hope the coaches see that real clearly on on the tape today and and reward you for good coverage because that was just good. Uh, I like how you I
0: like but, how you frame that. Like, somebody needs to give Daniel Wright a break from me, and I can't from not me. get on his ass. So, you know, somebody's somebody's got to do something for Daniel so that I don't do this anymore. Um, <laughs> you're right. Exactly right. And I'm, Black- not Black- mad, I'm not even mad at Miami for teaching it. I feel quite certain that is something the Miami receivers are taught to do because I thought it happened another time um, when uh, there was another – uh interference or another something and i thought it happened another time where miami sort of pushed off to get leverage and i thought they're taught this and they also were taught hey grab his jersey a little bit bring him to you and it's they're they're gonna get it on them if you do it them
1: you. and so no you're right uh i can't remember the specific play right now and frankly it, m- most of the time i've already watched the playback by now but i haven't but there was another time where Miami pushed off and and there was either a no call or they called Alabama but there was a a push off so yeah I didn't think the officiating was great and I was real upset about that one call although I think they did get it right on the Bryce safety not safety he was outside the pocket you know Manny Diaz was super upset about that but I did but Bryce was outside of the right tackle and the official got that call right
0: when it did go beyond the scrimmage.
1: The, the ball did go down on the, the Yeah, That's what I'm saying. Line, it, it did. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't grounding. It wasn't grounding. And Diaz thought it should have been. But he was wrong. Uh, it, the, the officials got that right. It, it, it was not grounding. Um, I was – I'm a huge fan of – I would even arguably have said going into yesterday that my favorite announcing team was Sean McDonough and Blackledge, even ahead of Fowler and Herb Street, who are, you know, of course, the number one crew on ABC – and, and, and ahead of Gary and Brad on CBS. Um, I, I was three or four times sort of upset with, with Blackledge and McDonough zero to do with who, who they like or who they favor. That's just always dumb, but just what they're saying during the broadcast. And I thought they were the last two in the building to realize Roy Dell Williams got his fumble back. I, 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 I saw it live, thought live. I'm like, Roydell did, that is a real fumble, but Roydell stripped Miami of the ball. Dell got the ball back. And the officials eventually, to their credit, got it right. And McDonough and Blacklitch were like clueless to the whole thing. They also never reported, even though it was clear to me from knowing Miami's numbers a little bit, they never reported that Bolden, uh, you know, that the targeting call was upheld on him. And that's a critical, critical thing in the game. Because Bubba Bolden is Miami's best defender. He gets thrown out for targeting, and they went to commercial. And when they got back to commercial, they, they never even mentioned that, oh, by the way, that targeting call was upheld. You know? So I, I, the whole, I'm like, dang, guys, they're, they're normally ice cold and great. And there, there were three or four occasions where I'm like, when are y'all going to start watching the game?
0: No, and you know what? It also was clearly targeting, and it was so targeting that I was like, "Okay, that's why the rule's there." And I yeah. swear to God, Jimmy, my other first thought was, "Miami's so disinterested in this." Bubba Bolden may have done this, be like, "I just don't need to be playing in this game. I'm gonna. The only thing I can do is get hurt. I can't. I can't improve my stock because I'm going to get toasted. And I, I, I'm, if I'm on the sideline, I can't get hurt." So why don't I just get out of the game? I'm not saying he did it on purpose for reals. But if somebody said, hey, you know, Bubba told me, you know, he did that on purpose, I'd be like, oh, I can see that. I'm not saying he did it, but if somebody told me he said he did it, I would believe him is what I'm saying.
1: <laughs> it was bad. And, again, I knew he was out because when, when they came back to the, the camera, I looked, you know, at the safety spots and 21 went out there. So I'm like, well, they obviously upheld it. But it would have been nice to have been told by the people in charge of telling us what's happening. You know, and uh, and it's critical. Because, I mean, literally, as their best player probably a day two pick at worst uh, in, in the NFL draft next April. I mean, a really good player, and uh, they skipped over that entirely. They did think that Dana Wright got jobbed on that call, but I, I think they should have made a bigger deal about it than they did. Um, yeah. But again, I, I'm, I'm not I'm not saying I now hate them or they were horrible. I'm just I was just a little disappointed because I brag about them, so I'm like. McDonough and Blackledge are, are, are like the best in, in the business. And and then yesterday I found myself upset with them. But, again, that, that might have more to do with just me being an old crank.
0: Well, and also, if you're an announcing team calling an Alabama game, it's almost like punishment at this time because you know, okay, this is going to be an ass whoop in a quarter and a half in, maybe a quarter in, and now what are we going to talk about? I mean, that I'm going true. to say a yeah. dude that's that called a lot of games. There is nothing worse. I mean, announcers get bored just like the fans do that have no interest in the game. Like, if you're at a bar watching a game between Illinois and Iowa, you know, you're not really paying attention. And especially if it's a blowout you're not going to watch, you're going to just keep eating your wings. But those announcers can't leave. They can't be like, guys, this one's over. See y'all. We're going to, you know, start studying up for the next one. They've got to stay there till the bitter end. Those sons of bitches. And the, truck
1: be- is- and the truck keeps telling them in their ear – because the truck's worried about their jobs and back everybody back in the network is worried about their jobs. So whenever there's a blowout, the first concern is how do we keep people watching? Yeah. So, so then they're constantly the broadcasters to come up with interesting things to say. So people don't turn the channel. And uh, yeah. that's where a lot of the I mean, I'm, I'm convinced it's true. A lot of the Alabama crowd that hates Gary Danielson and the CBS broadcast were on there all the time. Almost always Alabama's winning big. In the second half of all those games, all Gary and Brad are hearing from the truck is they're practically rooting for the other team to come back because That's they're what I'm... trying to get – they don't want people turning the channel. And, and I think it just creates this Gary roots for the other team stuff, which is stupid. But at the same time, maybe he does because it's 40-7 it's to 7 in the second half, and Gary Danielson's like, please let them score twice so they don't – everybody doesn't turn the channel and i lose my job.
0: You know, maybe uh, Sean McDonough should have said something like, all right, guys, uh, 41 to uh, 3, when we come back, Todd Blackledge will show you his penis. See you in a minute. (laughs) Vern Lundquist will shotgun two beers in a row when we come back on CBS. All right.
1: There's a hidden camera in a dressing room. We'll tell you which one it is when we come back. Yeah. Is it Vern Lundquist? It could be. (laughs) All right. Or is it the cheerleaders? (laughs) Yeah. Find out after these messages. It's 41 to 3.
0: All right, buddy. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll talk more about this Start breaking down Mercer. Start breaking down Mercer and talk about
1: the SEC in general. Yeah, we'll know about Mercer's personnel than Mercer.
0: We can also talk about Tulane. Sounds like they got a little Alabama on them while they were in Tuscaloosa training. But uh, that's going to do it for this episode. So uh Jimmy, until then, roll time.
1: Roll time.